thinking about doubt and uh, doubting Thomas and that um, video there was, is an excellent introduction to what uh, I'm going to say um, I see that you have in front of you ten reasons for not washing Number one, I was put off as a child because I was made to wash. Number two, do you know what I think? That people who wash 
are hypocrites. Everyone knows they are because they think they're cleaner than everybody else. A third reason there are so many kinds of soaps, so many liquid, solid, scented. I couldn't possibly decide how to choose between them. There's a fourth reason. Do you know what? I used to wash, but it got boring. Washing is boring. So I gave it up. Actually, that's not strictly true. Fifth reason is that, um, well, I like to wash on special occasions, especially Christmas. It's good for washing. And Easter, maybe. A sixth reason would be, well, I'm still young. I'm still young. When I get older and dirtier, I might then think about washing. Here's a very good reason, number seven, because I'm so important, of course, I don't have the time. I am a very busy person. You know, watching television is a very demanding activity. Number eight, none of my friends wash, so why should I? The bathroom's never warm enough, and that's the ninth reason. And the tenth, here's a good reason. Do you know the people who make soap are only interested in your money? Does that sound like something? Those are the reasons that I've put together that some people give for not believing in Jesus. It's rather pathetic, pitiful, and an offense to God. And if people live like that and die like that, they will have an eternity to regret it. So, Thomas the Doubter. You see, if I'm not mistaken, that list is very similar to people who reject the Christian gospel. Doesn't it sound very unreasonable? So come with me in the next seven minutes to the upper room. Madeline has just read this to us. And the context is that Jesus had been brutally executed. And now the enthusiasm of the disciples who had met Jesus had the opposite effect on our good friend Thomas. And so in verse 25, he says, Unless I see the nail marks 
put my finger where the nails were, put my hand where the spear was. I will not believe. Well, that's terribly original, isn't it? I will not believe. So I want to say two things. You've realized now how totally absurd it is, almost an offense to God, that you should give reasons like that. And if you have, young as you are, you should say sorry to God what the Bible calls you should repent and ask for his forgiveness. But let's look at two things and reverse them. The first, seeing is believing, and the second, believing is seeing. The first, seeing is believing. That's what uh, doubting Thomas is. Say. And so, in verse 26, a week later, of course it would be a good question to ask, where was Thomas when they met on the first week? Having a duvet day? Who knows? Anyway, he wasn't there. It would be a good thing if he was. And some of the problems sometimes in, in, among uh, church people is that we miss out on the blessing. Well, anyway, let's look at verse 26 and 27. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them, though the doors were locked out of fear because of the, uh, the Jews, and maybe the disciples will have an, a, a same experience as Jesus in crucifixion was a most cruel form of execution. And Jesus comes and he says, Peace be with you. Shalom. And he said to Thomas, look at this, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand, put it into my side, stop doubting and believe. Don't be ridiculous. Don't be absurd when you say you give reasons for not believing. Unless you really, really mean it. What a surprise for Thomas. The joy of his friends only compounded his doubt. But what grace on the part of Jesus that he was willing to accommodate that and come to him and speak to him and offer peace. And so here it is. Picture it. Eyeball to eyeball. Jesus the Savior. Thomas the doubter. And Jesus says, stop doubting start believing now now I spoke to two people this morning two adult men and in the light of the sermon that was preached I asked them when are you going to decide to follow Jesus Christ Church is a good place for evangelism. It should be. It should be. You can leave church tonight like Thomas. And you could say, I believe in Jesus. And that's the song that we're going to sing in a moment. I believe in Jesus. One of the lovely things about being a pastor is sometimes people give you books. And I was given this book recently, um, Haslam's Journey. And um, it's a very interesting account of uh, William Haslam. I want to quote to you from this book. Just listen to this. Uh, this was in 1880. Um, it came after 
um, Richard Baxter. William Haslam was a vicar in Cornwall. One day, much to his surprise, his gardener, in those days vicars had gardeners and housemaids, his gardener told him that he'd become a Christian. Now don't forget, William Haslam was a very well-educated man. And he didn't know what to say. So he went to visit his colleague in another parish. And as he visited his friend, his, his friend bluntly asked him, Why don't you understand what conversion is? And he said, I don't know. And his friend said to him, maybe it's because you've not converted yourself. Fancy saying that to a clergyman. His friend asked him this, I quote, Have you peace with God? To which Haslam replied, of course, God is my friend. Pursuing the point further, his colleague asked him, How did you get that peace? How did you get that peace? Oh, he replied, um, William, I, I get it at the daily service. I get it through prayer and reading, and especially at communion. I have made it a rule to carry my sins every Sunday and often come away from communion feeling as happy and free as a bird. How long does that last? His friend asked him. I suppose most of the week most time said Haslam his friend then went to tell him about the living water that Jesus promised welling up inside him to eternal life William Haslam then admitted that he did not know of such a thing himself and he left he left the following Sunday Aslam climbed into his stately pulpit and he announced his text what do you think of Jesus Christ and this is what happened and this is a quote from the newspapers he says as I went on to explain the passage I saw that the Pharisees and scribes did not know that Christ was the Son of God and he'd, he'd come to save them. Something was telling me all the time, William, you are no better than the Pharisee yourself. You do not believe in the Son of God that he came to seek and to save the lost. I do not remember all that I said, but I felt a wonderful light and joy coming into my soul, and I was beginning to see that see what the Pharisees did not see. Whether it was my words or the manner in which I spoke, I do not know. But all of a sudden, a local preacher, there were a lot of local preachers in those days, who happened to be in the congregation, can you picture this? Stood up and put his arms in the air and shouted with the Cornish manner, the parson is converted. The parson is converted. Hallelujah. And in a moment, 
His voice was lost with the shouts and praises of over 300 people in the congregation. Instead of rebuking this extraordinary brawling in church, I joined in the outburst of praise. And then finally, he then describes how at least 20 people in the congregation, regular worshippers, cried out for mercy and professed to find joy and peace in believing, including three members of his own family. Finally, the news spread like wildfire throughout the town that the vicar had been converted by his own sermon. And so is the story of Haslam. He is like Thomas the Doubter. You can enjoy an acquaintance with Jesus Christ, maybe through your family, that they pray for you, or you come to church and you're familiar with all these things. Having an acquaintance is not the same. It is not the same. Even if you were a pastor, it's not the same. You can be in the company of Christian friends and not be a Christian. I ask you tonight, why not? Why not? Is it that you are too proud? Is it that you refuse to trust? Seeing is believing. Okay, very quickly, and as we conclude, believing is seeing. Verse 28 and 29. In response to this, Thomas says, what a wonderful statement this is. My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Uh, I want uh, to put to you, for you to have a photo. It should come up in a moment. There you are. Look at that. Can you see that? It's a very old, old photo. Um, that man right from the far on you, on that side, that's my left, is my grandfather. And the young man behind him is my father. And this man here with his hand, well, they've all got their hands folded. They all dressed the same in those days, didn't they? It's lovely. It was my Sunday school teacher. And he worked in the steelworks at the age of 14. And as a result of the intense heat, he became blind. And so, the steelworks gave him one week's pay and told him to get another job. Very nice, is it? But he was my teacher. And he was blind. And he used to say to me in the Sunday school class, Can't you see? He was blind and could see. I could see, but I was blind. You see the point, don't you? I hope you do. I hope you do. And what a wonderful thing. As you know, uh, three weeks ago, uh, my father's funeral took place. And there's a great sense in which, whilst there's my grandfather, there's my father, I had to put my trust in Jesus Christ for myself. Seeing is believing. Two things as we close. Faith involves believing a truth. Jesus said to Thomas, stop doubting and believe. Believe what you see. And Thomas's response is, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. 
Faith involves believing a truth. But secondly and finally, faith means making that truth personal. You must do that. You must do that. You must do that. And if you don't, you are refusing Jesus Christ. You must do that. Faith means making truth personal to you. And you see what Thomas says. Not just Jesus is Lord, that would be a good thing, but he is my Lord and my God. And what a pitiful thing it would be for people to say, well, you know, church is boring and this. Uh, are you sure it's not you? Really? Make it personal. My Lord and my God. Essentially, the Christian faith is not a religion in that strict sense, but a relationship. My Lord and my God. So, finally, from Jesus' perspective, Jesus is not asking for blind faith. Jesus is asking and waiting for believing faith. And that's what we are going to sing. I believe in Jesus. Make that personal to yourself as the group come up now. I believe. I believe in Jesus and it's an affirmation of course of truth but it's personal truth it's personal to me I hope that it's personal to you